1: Hello and welcome to episode 119 of Killer Hangover. I'm Bettina. 119. (laughs) And I'm Beth. And we are in the state of California this week. Not literally, of course, but I I wish. (laughs) I have the true crime. Bethy has the haunting or the paranormal and a drink. Looks delicious. It looks like something you would make the boys,
0: though. Is it looks like a mouse with the ears? Okay, okay. I would not make this for my children because there's a good three ounces of vodka in this <laughs> and a white chocolate liqueur. Ah. But yes, it does look like a milkshake. It does, and and it has two ears. It is. A v- it's a very yummy cookies in it that... It looks like Mickey Mouse, which has something to do with my story. Oh, okay. Okay, so this is called Top Quality Low Prices Fast Shipping. Ah, dang these ads. (laughs) (laughs) It's called the Mickey Mouse Cocktail. (laughs) Drink the Low Prices. (laughs) Okay, so for your Mickey Mouse cocktail, you put... Okay, what do you want first? The ingredients or the directions? Let's just do the it, ingredients. ingredients. You need three ounces of vodka, three-fourths ounce of the white chocolate liqueur. Mm, how, how is that? I bet that's good just straight up. It's... Yeah. <laughs> Forget the Mickey Mouse drink. <laughs> okay. Then you need Oreo cookies... And then you need vanilla ice cream. Oh, my gosh. And this one you will want to garnish, which obviously I did. Whipped cream, a cherry, and Oreos. Okay. So. That
1: sounds pretty amazing.
0: (laughs) So you put. Now, this is the part that doesn't look amazing. This part while I was doing this, I was like, this looks absolutely disgusting. I have no idea how this is going to turn out. But you put five Oreo cookies in, in like a. Jar or a glass of some kind, and you kind of, and then you add the vodka in with the Oreos and you muddle them around. And you just kind of like, yeah, it looks really gross. You mush them around so that they soak up the vodka, Mm -hmm. and then you can shake it, stir it, whatever you want to really get the Oreo to soak up the vodka. And then you put this infusion into a blender and then you add the white chocolate liqueur the vanilla ice cream and you blend it up until you essentially make this milkshake Oh! and then you put it into a hurricane glass or like a tall glass mm-hmm. you top it with the whipped cream and then you put the little oreos there for the ears and then the little nose there the cherry for the nose well it's adorable how does it taste i mean if you like oreos <laughs> and you like milkshakes Then this is the drink for you. (laughs) And make one when your kids aren't around because mine definitely wanted to try it. So I had to make, I put Oreos and ice cream for them.
1: There you go. Cheers. 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 Well,
0: enjoy since we're recording virtually. Yeah, this is one you definitely are bummed you're recording virtually.
1: Dang it. Why do you do these drinks when I'm not with you?
0: (laughs) Pretty yummy. I got this from the tipsybartender.com.
1: And we've used them before, haven't we?
0: I think so. Yeah. Okay, so you did the true crime. What are we talking about today?
1: All right. Oh,
0: wait. Just a reminder, before we start, we did decide to do our episodes every other week. But, 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 the episodes are longer. And if you're just dying for us, <laughs> you can find an episode every week on Patreon, but this has just really helped us with our schedules and all the kids and all. Mom's got another surgery coming up. Uh, there's just a lot of travel we want to do. Holidays. For the podcast. Yeah. Holidays. Like, there's just a lot going on, so this has been a little easier for us because it is just us, us. <laughs> doing all this editing, researching. Man, we're like super women over here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that, but... This allows us to
1: spend more time on research and working on things for the patrons, and
0: yada, yada. But if you just like, oh, golly, I just miss Beth and Bettina so darn much. <laughs> I want to hear them every week. I need to hear them every week. You can join our Patreon because we will be putting out an episode there every week that we're not putting out an episode here. So this isn't exactly a bad thing. No. It's not like we're saying we're quitting.
1: (laughs) No, we're definitely not quitting. But, you know, if you feel strongly about this, listeners, and you want it every week, let us know. We, I mean, you know, we'd like to also hear from
0: you. Sure. Or you can just join our Patreon. (laughs) There you go. There's your answer. (laughs) It's $5 a month. And it's not like we're just doing episodes there. We also do videos and we also do really cool interviews. And, yeah. So that's all I got to say about that.
1: Life is a box of cherry candy. But is it cherries?
0: No. <laughs> Life is a box of candy. So mom, what are you drinking over there? Because none of those were correct. It's chocolate. <laughs> cherries. That's closer cherries. to chocolate. <laughs> Where the heck do you get a box of cherries?
1: Okay. Okay, I'm going to move on to this story.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you do. Now you want to move on.
1: (laughs) All right. In this True Crime This Week, we're going to talk a little bit about mental illness, domestic abuse, jealousy, stalking, and murder. Oh, this sounds great. I know. It sounds depressing. Well, it is depressing. We'll talk about the woman born May 20th, 1981 in Sellersville, Pennsylvania. She spent a little time in foster care and then was adopted by Tom and Penny Harwick. The woman's name was Amy Harwick. Have you heard of Amy?
0: I, maybe. I bet
1: when you hear more of the
0: story. I'm terrible with names. I I I would be horrible if the police brought me in and they're like, do you know who so-and-so is? I, I don't know. Show me a picture. a picture. Show me a picture. <laughs> I didn't do it. I don't even know those names. I don't know.
1: (laughs) Uh, Amy was raised in Lansdale, Pennsylvania. She was always her own person. Very interesting woman. Even at a young age, she was fascinated by death, embracing the goth culture during high school. She cut classes, smoked in the bathroom, but always from the time she was a little girl to the time of her death, Amy Harwick had a huge heart, and made it her mission to help the underdog. Amy graduated from high school in 1999 and headed west to Los Angeles in 2001. From what resources told me, Amy was very smart and driven. She took on several side jobs to pay for school, but not like the usual ones like fast food and waitressing. Like I said, Amy was her own person. She was a bartender, go-go dancer, and... Very
0: differently, she had a fire act in which she would eat fire. That is so cool. I think fire eating and then those people that eat knives are so crazy. (laughs) I want to know how they do it.
1: Well, she must have really been very good at it because she was one of the most hired fire acts in Los Angeles at the time. She got gigs at nightclubs and parties. So she did this. While she was going to school. Good for her. And all these things also, you need to be, you know, you need to have lessons. You need to be trained and stuff. And so she did. You mean you can't just all of a sudden go to
0: swallow fire?
1: <laughs> Nor I think could you all of a sudden be a go-go dancer. I mean, you know. It's I mean, just, true. So she was very driven. She graduated from California Polytech uh, State University. Went on to get her master's in clinical psychology from Pepperdine University and then on to get her doctorate of human sexuality from the Institution for Advancement of Human Sexuality. Amy eventually had a private practice. She was a family therapist and a couples therapist, but her primary interest was with working with women, especially those that have been or are marginalized, such as sex workers. Okay. Amy was a beautiful woman who was both charismatic and empathetic. She created and produced a podcast, had a YouTube channel, wrote magazine articles, was asked on to several talk and warning shows, and she released her book, The Sex Bible for Women, in 2014. Gone were her goth days of her youth. Amy dressed, looked, and carried herself like a model, which, by the way, she also did in her youth.
0: So this. Of course. Good for her, geez.
1: Woman, I mean, she's definitely standout. Beautiful, long, flowing black hair. Uh, Her makeup was impeccable. You know, bright red lipstick and just her clothes. I She was top notch. Always wore high heels and just definitely stood out. She was her own person. She was and always had been. Amy Harwick was a very accomplished woman with many followers and friends. But I guess no one can have everything. Amy's personal life, her love life, was not at the level everything else was. Amy had several relationships, but one stands out as being the worst. Amy and Gareth Pursehouse started dating in 2008 during her modeling years. Gareth and Amy had a fun relationship in the beginning. Gareth was quirky and funny. Friends of his describe him as being a definite extrovert. He was a software engineer, a photographer, and a wannabe comedian. Okay, so I've watched a few of the videos. Uh, yeah, he failed at that one. Oh, he, I'm sorry, he was not funny. And the crowds didn't think he was funny either. I mean, he basically flopped. After about six months into the relationship, another side of Gareth started showing itself to Amy. The only thing at that time that friends noticed was that they saw less and less of Amy. Then they started noticing the bruises and the cuts. Shoot. Amy was being physically abused by Gareth any time she made him mad or things didn't go his way. She hid the abuse for a while, then started documenting the injuries. In 2001, she filed for a restraining order against him, but the relationship continued. One really has to ask, and, you know, I think this is a question everybody asks in situations like that. Why is this smart, accomplished woman staying in such an abusive situation? Now, according to friends, Amy wanted to do everything and anything she could to make the relationship work. She hated to quit or lose, and she looked at ending the relationship as such. Amy filed another restraining order against Gareth in in 2012, stating Gareth had choked, suffocated, pushed and kicked her. He had forced her to the ground and restrained her, slammed her head to the ground and punched her with closed fist. Now, Mm. I didn't know this, but a restraining order is only good for one year. Yeah. After that, you have to renew it. Yes. This one was never renewed. hmm It was around this time that Amy broke off the relationship. Uh Gareth did not take this well at all. And an internal fire started burning in him. I mean, he was so compulsively involved with her that he just, anger just started burning in him. Amy, on the other hand, thrived and flourished. In 2017, and this is maybe where you might have heard her name before, Amy met Drew Carey a comedian and host of The Price is Right at a Hollywood party. You do know who that is, right?
0: Yes, I know who Drew Carey <laughs> is.
1: The two had an instant bond. On Valentine's Day of 2018, Drew invited Amy on the stage of The Price is Right and introduced her as his fiance. The two were very much in love, but a few months later, they broke off the engagement. Drew spoke to 48 Hours a little about their relationship, but did not venture into the breakup. He did mention that their outings did draw a lot of attention because of his fame. So the couple rarely went out, but every time they did, there were always negative comments left on sites that review doctors. So...
0: What? Like, so her reviews? Her reviews.
1: Then? So on these, I guess there's sites on the internet that review doctors. So you can go to these sites to see, sure. you know, do you want this doctor? But every time they went out, it was sure that there was going to be several negative reviews on the doctor's sites against her.
0: I hate hearing crap like that. That's one of my biggest pet peeves. If you're not seeing that doctor, you shouldn't be leaving a review, good or bad. That, that's so frustrating.
1: Amy suspected mm-hmm. Gareth. But it was to the point, after a while, it was to the point that she feared it would ruin her reputation as a therapist. Drew stated that the couple worked on their problems but could not fix them, which led to their amicable separation. They did stay in touch for a while, but, you know, life keeps going. <sighs> and they drifted yes. apart. Oddly, Drew received a text message from Amy on February 13th, 2020, asking if he wanted to meet sometime. Drew was overjoyed, but he never got a chance to see Amy again. Meanwhile, Gareth is still stalking Amy. In 2016, four years after their breakup, someone broke into Amy's home. Broke picture frames, stole some photo albums, and wiped her computer clean. Mm,
0: that's terrifying. That somebody got yeah, in. Yeah,
1: no kidding. And then went... Through all your personal stuff like that and then just wiped your can you imagine someone wiping your laptop clean
0: that would ruin the podcast
1: (laughs) yes it would terribly (laughs) there was no proof but amy suspected it was gareth besides the negative reviews left on the doctor sites messages were also sent to amy's friends trying to drive a wedge between them and amy like amy hates you amy's just using you Amy used to talk bad about you when we were together. I mean, does this remind you maybe of junior high or high school? Seriously, it does. Then on January 16th, 2020. So this is eight years after their breakup. Gareth and Amy's paths crossed. Amy had received a last minute invite to attend the red carpet event of the XBIX Awards. You probably have never heard of these. I hadn't. But this Mm-mm. is the, an adult <laughs> film industry gala in which Gareth had been hired as a photographer. As soon as he saw her, he went ballistic. And if I, I don't. Know, this is the way I interpreted it, maybe I'm totally wrong, but it's like when she was on stage, you know how they take pictures with the background being the...
0: You mean like when they walk the red carpet?
1: You know those pictures? Yeah, it's
0: not a stage, but when they're walking in and they have the... Right, but... She was kind of in the
1: lime from what I read, she was kind of in the limelight at the time, okay, getting her picture taken. Not by Gareth. So it was her turn right. to walk across. Mm-hmm. Okay, he was not taking her picture. He was kind of in the background there as a photographer. He started shouting about how she had ruined his life when she broke off the relationship. What a horrible person she was. I mean, there was a huge scene. He was on the top of his lungs, shouting at her from in the back. Ew. Then to top it off, he started sobbing and fell to the ground in a fetal position and started
0: wailing. This poor woman, she had to have been so embarrassed. She's just like,
1: what? But Amy, remember, she is, this woman must have had a total heart of gold. But intuitively, she went into therapist mode and pulled Gareth aside to privately speak to him.
0: Oh, my gosh. I would have, like, run in the other direction. As
1: far away from him. Let security pick him up and deal with him, right? I guess I have a heart of bronze. (laughs) The two sat on a ledge and spoke for some time. I believe she did this actually twice during the event. Although she seemed calm and collected through the ordeal, Amy was spooked and totally shaken up. She insisted to her very good friend, Robert Coswell, that she share her phone location with him. She wanted him to know where she was at all times. She then ominously told him, quote, If anything happens to me, it's him, Gareth. Two weeks after the event at the gala, Amy called her parents with a request to have an open casket and an elaborate tombstone. What? She also started carrying pepper spray, and increase the security at her house.
0: He really must have said something that shook her. I mean, that is, that's terrifying to be preparing yourself like that. I know, like she calmed him down when she was talking to him. I mean, from bystanders. Sure. But she's also calming him down. But I bet you she's also trying to like read into where his stance is. And I think she walked away from that conversation being like, okay, yeah, he's in a really bad place. I'm in danger. I've-
1: She knew she was in trouble. She knew that he had escalated. Um, Around this time is also the time that she sent that text to Drew, saying that she'd like to get together. Mm -hmm. So again, that was February 13th. Amy's friends told 48 Hours that Amy was scared. She was on the edge and feared for her life. On the evening of February 14th at 7 p.m., Amy and two of her friends went to a burlesque show in which another of their friends... Miss Tosh was the lead act. This is a quote from 48 Hours. I could see them from the stage, said Miss Tosh. They were having so much fun. After the show, the four women took pictures together and then the three left the theater and went to the Nomad, which is a nightclub. They hung there until about 12.18 a.m., a. took pictures, you know, just had fun, girls' night out.
0: Sure. At 1
1: a.m., Amy sat in her driveway and sent a text to one of her friends that she had spent the evening with asking for pictures of their night. That was the last anyone heard from Amy. Shortly after a call was placed at 1:14 a.m. to the police, so this is 14 minutes later. Okay. They arrived at Amy's Hollywood Hills home to find the therapist lying 20 feet below her third-floor balcony, having trouble breathing. Mm. So she was still alive. Police were immediately suspicious due to Amy's injuries and the discoloration around her neck. Amy was rushed to the hospital. And as she had always done, Amy fought to live. But this time, she lost her fight. Amy died from her injuries at 3.26 a.m. Her home was now an active crime scene. And what a scene the detectives found. There had definitely been a struggle on the third floor living area and that's where she had her bedroom her balcony her living area her space was up there furniture pillows things were just strewn all over the place lamps were knocked down there was definitely a struggle in that area there was blood on the bedroom door and the living room carpet there was a trail of beads from the rosary necklace that she had worn that night it trailed from the tv room to the bedroom to the balcony So those beads kind of told uh, investigators the sequence of events. Sure. On the balcony itself, there lay a syringe filled with a brown liquid. So what happened that Valentine's night? Amy had a roommate, Michael Herman, who lived in the lower level of the home. He stated that around 10 p.m., he heard what sounded like a plate shattering on the ground. Thinking Amy had come home and had dropped something, Michael went back to sleep. What the sound actually was was the glass of the French door being shattered as the intruder gained access to the home.
0: Oh gosh!
1: Michael was awakened again. This time, shortly after one, by a scream. Now, remember, she sat. She sent the text at one in her driveway, mm-hmm. so she was right. attacked right when she, as soon as well, she not walked in, walked in, but went up to her third level. apartment. Up- well. The whole place belonged. To, oops, the whole place belonged to her. <laughs> she almost her threw something over there. Her living <laughs> quarters up on the third, her third floor. So she okay. made it up there. But that's when the sound, the scream, was heard. The scream was followed by bodies falling to the ground. There was another scream, but this one sounded muffled, as if the person's mouth was being covered.
0: And I'm sorry, but did the roommate go and check this out, or are they just sitting down there listening well, to this? He,
1: I think, after the first scream. He recognized her voice, so he knew that there was a problem. This is just weird how this happened. Now, he has, I'm going to tell you up front, he has nothing to do with this. I
0: wasn't assuming that, but I just don't know why he wouldn't go check and make sure that she was okay, at least. Because it's not like this attack happened within 60 seconds. Where? Well, he, he of
1: course, got up, but he was searched all over for his phone. He couldn't find his phone because he was going to call the police. And then he yelled upstairs hey what's going on or something like that Mm -hmm. no answer and he had to get to a phone i guess they didn't have a landline so he went into the courtyard to go through a gate Uh, everything is stacked against this poor dude went into the courtyard to go through a gate to get to the neighbor's houses the gate was locked and this is a really this is like a seven foot seven-and-a-half-foot gate, like iron gate. So he had to scale that, and then he ran to two neighbors' houses. Neither one of them answered. The frantic oh, shoot. ringing of the bell or knocking or whatever he was doing, no one answered. So then he's, like, running down the street, probably to go to another's neighbor's house, and he sees a man walking towards him. This is random man taking a walk at... A little after one in the morning, so he runs up to him and asks for his cell phone, which the man gives him, and he calls nine one one The police came immediately, so this is now one fourteen in the morning. That's not a heck of a lot of time that's fourteen minutes from when she
0: that's fourteen went minutes
1: after she placed her phone call, so she placed yeah. her phone or her text, she placed her text, which probably took what two minutes or so. I don't know. I'm a slow texter. Um, And then got out of the car, (laughs) walked through the house. So we're talking around, take three to five minutes off of that 14 minutes until she Mm -hmm. made it up to her third floor living area. So that leaves you with even less time. That leaves you with like 10 minutes for all of this to happen.
0: Yeah. Which is a long time in the gist of things though.
1: For Amy is a very long time. And for this poor Michael who's like scurrying to call get a phone.
0: Yeah, I definitely didn't mean to blame him but I was just curious like there was another human being in that house. I wondered what I wondered what he was doing. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, he did call 911 and, when he could. Because of the many defensive wounds on Amy's body, investigators knew that she had fought like heck to ward off her killer. The autopsy reported petechia around and in Amy's eyes, as well as the injury to her neck, indicating strangulation. There were also life-threatening injuries to her brain, liver, and pelvic area due to the fall from the balcony. A DNA was found on and under Amy's fingers, as well as the French door and the bedroom carpet, which was analyzed Shortly after Amy's death, her friend Richard Coswell went to the police, indicating that investigators should look at Gareth House. After looking into Gareth, it only took a few hours before he was arrested for Amy's murder. We're talking oh
0: boom, boom, boom. Yeah.
1: A year after his arrest in September, 2021, a preliminary hearing was held. The evidence against Gareth was extraordinary. The DNA found at the scene and on Amy's fingernails was a match to Gareth's DNA. In fact, the chance that it belonged to anyone else was less than one in one septillion. Do you know what a septillion (laughs) is?
0: I've never heard that number before.
1: (laughs) A septillion sounds like a reptile is a (laughs) one with 24 zeros behind it.
0: Yep. Never even knew that was a
1: thing. I didn't either. So, I mean, that's an astronomical chance that it was anybody but gareth wow defense attorneys got them argued that maybe just maybe gareth had gone to the home just to talk to amy and then left after they argued and the fall from the balcony was well an accident
0: oh my gosh well i mean they have to do their job
1: they do but so why does amy have gareth's dna on her fingers you know, unless she yeah. was fighting him off.
0: Well, she was, It was. there's proof she was strangled.
1: And she was strangled. Exactly.
0: And remember that syringe
1: with the brown liquid? Oh, yeah. That was right. on the balcony. And that the-
0: yeah, what was that?
1: Yep. I will tell you what that was.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, please do. Lab
1: results <laughs> indicated that the substance in the syringe was nicotine. Which in that liquid state was a lethal poison. A syringe of the same type, now not filled, but the syringe itself of the same type was found at House's home during a search. The nicotine-filled syringe found at the scene proves that House went to Amy's with the intent to kill. I mean, why else would he carry this nicotine-filled syringe? Now, he yeah. didn't use it on her. It fell out of his pocket or whatever. Or maybe she fought with him out on the balcony. And, and then it, you know, maybe he was going to give it to her on the balcony. I mean, we don't know as far as that goes, but it had not been used. Mm-hmm. Okay. I looked everywhere. <laughs> I spent, I don't know how much time looking for a trial date for purse house. The only thing I found was on a site called the independent, which said that on March 9th, 2022, a judge ruled that there was enough evidence for Purse House to stand trial for the death of Amy Harwick, but nowhere could I find when that trial date will be.
0: Really? So it's, has he still not gone to trial then?
1: Sources are even uncertain as to where the man is. Some sources say that what? Gareth is in jail waiting for his trial. Others say he's out on bail awaiting the trial.
0: Well, that's a little scary. Why did you choose to tell this story? Well, he's under
1: what? I mean, he's being watched. If he's out on bail, I'm sure he has an ankle bracelet on or something. But I don't even I don't know. I kind of don't think that they would let him out after this. I, he's a sick individual. I mean, yeah, he's I mean,
0: mentally he's being charged for murder right. like that. That's a. that's not really I would assume that's not really something that you can go ahead and head home. Will call you when you need to come and sit down in front of a judge. I have no idea.
1: I mean it's just weird. That part of the story is really weird because there is nothing. Hmm. Meanwhile, friends and family wait for something resembling closure for the loss of quirky, life-loving, compassionate Amy. The family and sex therapist whose mission was to help those marginalized by society. A woman who had many friends, loved horror movies, collected taxidermy objects in formaldehyde jars, and poison bottles.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh, I love it.
1: But mostly loved her family. Getting together with them every year for her hometown's annual CBD.
0: Oh yeah, what's it's that? It's cookie
1: baking day.
0: Oh my gosh, that's so cute. The whole town just gets together and
1: there's lots of cookies and baking cookies. And it's just a this tradition that's been going on for years in this town. And this is where families get caught. Well, her family and her got caught up, laughed, sang, and ate plenty of cheese steaks and our favorite, Lebanon baloney.
0: Oh, I love Lebanon bologna. <laughs>
1: mm. uh, delish. Okay, I want to talk just a little bit to close this out about stocking, uh, especially stocking that lasts for a long period of time. Eight years in Gareth's case. There is a word for it, It's called obsessive pursuit. Unfortunately, Amy's decision to talk Gareth down from his emotional outburst at the gala may have been a mistake. With obsessive pursuit, Amy sitting and talking to Gareth with good intent may have been interpreted totally different by Gareth. This would have fueled the already burning rage. Words to live by, and I say definitely easier said than done. Quote, living in fear gives control and power to the other person. Now, that is definitely true, but like I said, easier said than done, right? Yeah. If you or a person you know are a victim of domestic violence, call the National Domestic Violence Hotline, 1-800-799-7233. And of course, I will have that on our website.
0: Another thing though that is much easier said than done, some people can't make that call. And that's what's...
1: They're scared. They're scared to make that call. They're scared to step away from the abuse. That's so sad. But It is so sad because you have oh. an emotional tie with this individual that's abusing you. It's it's harder yeah, and to step away. I mean, away. most
0: of the time most of the time your relationships don't start out abusive either. No. Like they escalate to that. So you have glimpses of the person you loved or Right. I mean, domestic abuse is just a, oh, it's a horrific circle of events. I mean, it... It is. And often, <sighs> it's hid. You
1: know, it's secret.
0: Oh, yeah. And it goes on. It's, a, it's something that's shamed or people feel ashamed for... Or they think it's their fault. Or they think it's not going to happen again. Or that was just that one time or two times or...
1: Well, like Gareth, you know, after he beat her up, he would always bring her flowers and I'm so sorry it won't happen again you know I mean the typical yes yeah, it's the it's the love bombing and it's hard if you love someone it's so hard to think negatively and say no he's going to keep doing this you know after they mm-hmm. love bomb you it's like oh yes he does love me this was probably my fault it's such a uh, uh, it's just a horrible situation
0: it's a very vicious cycle so yeah I mean there's a number to call but reach out to somebody you can trust i guess i i I am not an expert in this at all but i know it's a very tricky it's a tough situation but know that your story can be heard people do care definitely
1: so do you and your mickey mouse drink have something to liven this up
0: mickey mouse drink is now empty holy smokes did i talk for that long no it was just that tasty uh and i feel like i might have a tummy ache because that was that was a it was a good old drink. Okay. Um, you want to guess what my story is about? <laughs> Disney? <gasps> Disneyland. Oh. I don't know what gave it away. I'm so smart. Uh, I, I mean, <laughs> that was such a great, great guess. So, yeah, we're going to lighten it up and I'm going to share some stories about Disneyland. Okay. I always get the two confused. Okay, so- I know Disneyland is an Anaheim and Disney yes. World
1: is in Orlando, but I always when I'm talking about I'm them, getting them confused.
0: Well, there's actually there's more than just the California Florida parks. There's also parks in Tokyo, Paris, Hong Kong, and China. I know, it's crazy. So there's a total of 12 parks. Wow. But yes, Disneyland is in Anaheim, California, and it first opened in 1955. So Disneyland is the only one that was designed and built under the supervision of Walt Disney himself. Oh, but Disney World wasn't? No, it's the only of the Disney parks that he oversaw.
1: Okay. Bit of trivia.
0: I had no idea. He was a dad who took his daughters to many amusement parks as they grew up. And he was like, "Uh, hey, I could do this and I could do it much better. better. <laughs> and honestly, I think he was right. I love myself some Disney. <laughs> I, know. <laughs> I love Disney World. Uh, now, he already had his studios at the time. So he was already the Mickey Mouse King. Mm-hmm. But there was like a lot of fans that would write to him and be like, we want to come toward the studio. We want to come toward the studio. And he's like, how much fun is that really going to be to come to Burbank and come to a studio? Like, how much fun is that really? Right. But I do want to do something for these people. So let's create like this magical place, a magical amusement park. So, they broke ground on their 160 acres outside of Anaheim in 1954, and they unveiled the park on a special TV production on July 17th, 1955.
1: Wow. So, it only took them a year to put this park together. It was amazing. Yeah, amazing, amazing
0: park. Yeah. And they didn't, like, have all of it done, obviously. They knew that they were going Could've to add. continually grow to it. Uh-huh. And he actually originally really wanted the park to be right across the street from the studio in Burbank. Oh. But it would have been really small. So that's why he got the 160 acres instead. Disneyland is the most visited of all the Disney parks, though. And I actually read that since its opening date to December of 2018, there had been over 726 million visits. Wow. Yeah. But opening day of Disneyland didn't go as well planned as you may have thought. I mean, today... There's like not a fly buzzing around you. The trash never smells. Everything is just seamless in Disneyland, right? Opening day did not go so seamlessly. Fun fact, but it was 101 degrees on opening day (laughs) and the city was in a plumber's strike. Oh, no. They were like, we don't really, you really can't have a lot of toilets open and you can't have a lot of water fountains open. So I don't even think there was many water fountains open at all. There were like tons and tons of traffic delays to get to the park, which meant that many of the top talent that were supposed to come and perform that day didn't make their show on time. So then you have people really upset because they're not seeing their performances they're supposed to see. They're sweltering in the heat. They have no water it was a and mess. they can't go pee. Oh, it was a total mess. They ran out of food at the park and then I guess because it was so hot and the asphalt was so new, women's high heels were sinking so into insane. the new asphalt. Oh and then I also read that the crowds were so thick. There were so many people that people were literally throwing their children <laughs> over the crowds. To get their kids on the rides. <laughs> you see all these kids like body surfing. Uh, yeah. So it had like really, really negative press. Disney and his execs called it Black Sunday because oh. it was just really bad. Obviously, over time and lots of hard work, magic and pixie dust, Disneyland and all the Disney parks are beyond that now. Okay. Now let's get to some ghost stories. What? Ghosts in Disneyland? <laughs> Hold on. You just... That was so weird. You just froze what? and it went...
1: Ugh.
0: Okay, well, then the ghosts of Disneyland are haunting me. You're freaking me out, Mom. That's I, I chose the story so it wouldn't be freaky. That's
1: exactly what just happened. It was so weird. So I heard the pixie dust thing, and then right after the pixie dust, and then you froze.
0: And then it went... Ugh. Disney parks have come a long way since then and then i said now let's talk about some ghost stories okay okay that was weird (laughs) yeah okay first i want to say that all of my resources for this episode are on our website i am not making these stories up (laughs) i am just serving you a little serving of the big dishes stories i read online are they true are they not i'll leave that up to you to decide but don't don't at me Disney like you don't mess with Disney I'm not messing with Disney I am just <laughs> repeating what I heard and read okay so if you don't believe in the spirit stuff we talk about then I just you know this you're just gonna be entertained and if you believe then maybe you will love these stories let's start with a sweet story In Disneyland, they have the Disneyland fire station. Now, above the fire station was Walt's apartment. He would stay there overnight when he visited the park. He would hold private parties up there, you know, famous people, his family, whatever. But whenever Walt was there, he would light a lamp in the window to let those working know that he was there. Okay. Walt. After Walt passed away in 1966, a maintenance worker went up to pack up some of his belongings and turn everything off in his apartment. When she got back down to the main street level, she looked up and saw that the light in the window was turned on. Oh, she went back up, turned it off and headed out of the fire station again at ground level. She looked up and she saw that the light was still on. (laughs) So to this day, the lamp is still on on it is they will always leave that lamp on above the fire station maybe showing that the spirit of disney is still in disneyland Mm -hmm. to this day or maybe because they just really couldn't figure out how to turn the lamp off (laughs) (laughs) so this is a conscious thing that the
1: workers at so nowadays it's a
0: conscious thing yes they keep it on now the pirates of the caribbean ride yes honestly it's one of my favorites i've been on it too It's interesting because this attraction was the last ride that Walt kind of gave his say in. This and the Haunted Mansion, which is my other favorite (laughs) ride, were both his born creations. Oh. He thought of both of them, wanted to do both of them, and he had a lot of say in these rides. And these were the last two. that I know that Pirates was the last ride that he had any say in and, and everything. And these are the two most successful rides in Disneyland, is the Pirates ride and the Haunted Mansion. So that just shows his his magic, like honestly. I'm not saying that any new rides aren't as cool as these, but think about it. These were there when this park opened, and they are and still, still there, there and there, still successful. And people are still loving it, right? To this day, exactly. And nothing's really been changed to these rides since, I mean, there's been some updates, like uh, the Pirates don't chase women around in the ride anymore because <laughs> it's not appropriate <laughs> nowadays. <laughs> Um, so there has been some updates and changes, but not a ton. Uh, the, and it's actually really unfortunate, but Walt never got to see the Pirates ride finished. Oh, he passed away. Uh, The ride opened three months after he died in 1967. But it was originally supposed to be this walk-through wax museum. Oh, really? Yeah, but after the huge success of the small world ride Uh at the World's Fair, they decided that they wanted another boat-like attraction. Oh, isn't that
1: interesting?
0: So they put it in the New Orleans Square area. And they were going to name it the Blue Bayou Lagoon is what they were going to call it. And then I think the pirate idea kind of stemmed from that. Mm-hmm. And they used Jean Lafayette, who fought with the US Army in the Battle of New Orleans, who was a pirate. And so then they used that and kind of made it into this pirate ride. Okay. And then when Disney World opened in 1971, they didn't put the pirate ride in Disney World in Florida because they're like, this isn't really a new thing here. We're right on the Caribbean. We already have a lot of pirate stuff out here in Florida. So they didn't put the ride there when they opened, but people threw a huge fit about it. They were okay. like, no, no, no. We love the Pirate Ride. So three years after Disney World opened, they put the Pirate Ride at Disney World. Okay. Cause I'm sitting here going, I know I wrote it on or what
1: did I ride in <laughs> Disney World? I know I wrote it <laughs> no Disneyland it's there. twice, but I, I swore I wrote it there too.
0: The look of the rides are different. So Disneyland is more of the New Orleans theme Mm -hmm. of pirates. Mm -hmm. The ride in Disney World has more of a Caribbean feel to pirates. So like I said, they have made updates to the ride, uh, changing the pirates from chasing the women. Uh, They also added... (laughs) That's horrifying. um, (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Well, the animatronics are chasing the women. They're not actually chasing you. Oh, (laughs) jeez. was like wait the animatronics are not scary mom no as you ride the ride guys dressed up as
1: pirates with swords chasing you
0: as you're stuck in your boat (laughs) no oh mother um but since the success of the pirates movies, they've also changed it to kind of match the movie now. Okay. So they have the visual of the black Pearl and then Johnny Depp's character, Jack Sparrow. He's in the ride now because the movies did so well. Uh-huh. Actually, they had a character of Jack Sparrow that used to walk around the parks, just like, you know, Peter Pan or Aladdin, like everybody, right. all the yeah, princesses. Yeah. They had a Jack Sparrow character that walked around and apparently he looked just like Jack Sparrow. And <laughs> let's just say they didn't have this character for very long because the reactions and the interactions from the women guests gave this <laughs> character Uh, to, yeah it didn't really match the whole wholesome family vibe that <laughs> Disney Parks wanted to keep so they didn't have Jack Sparrow as a character for very long
1: I would have definitely tracked him down
0: <laughs> So, so that visual of mom having of the pirates chasing the women just Strike that, reverse it. That's what was happening. <laughs> in real life. And they, they that's that wasn't appropriate for Mickey Mouse. Okay, okay. So we're talking about hauntings. Sorry, enough Jack Sparrow. But back when this ride, the Pirates Ride, first opened. First have you you've been on this ride, right? Yes. So um mm-hmm. bo- in both places. So every park is different, like I said. Uh-huh. Um and the timeline and the as- the aspect of the story is kind of the same. You but the timeline's a little different. So in Disneyland you go on the ride and it's real time and then you see like pirate bones and then you see the pirates are alive and then you get off the ride and you're back in real time. I think Disney World it's like as soon as you get on the ride there's pirates, they're alive, and then you see bones and then you get off the ride in real time. So So the timeline's a little different. Uh Yeah. But essentially you get it, like pirates then bones, then you're in real time or whatever. So I guess when the ride first opened, the bones that were used on the ride were real. What? They were real human bones. Oh,
1: my gosh.
0: Some stories said that it was because the Imagineers couldn't make a realistic bone, which I thought that that was just like that's that's ridiculous. (laughs) That's ridiculous. Imagineers can make some amazing things i think they just didn't want to waste their time on making bones when they were working on these amazing things and also they could get these bones for really cheap back then oh my gosh i think they got them from the ucla medical school wow but yeah they were real bones and real human skeletons and oh my gosh yeah so they're like oh yeah we'll get the bones for cheap and then we'll really work on all the animatronics and everything else (laughs) <laughs> so so these
1: people actually can hang out <laughs> i mean they At were land forever
0: there. oh my gosh that is just terrible over time the bones started to decay i mean you've been on the ride it's very humid in the ride it's a water ride so right. it does get to be kind of human so these bones started to decay and then the fake bones were made and they are put on the ride so disney's like release like we promise i don't think they use that phrasing Like <laughs> i swear there are no more real bones <laughs> i'm sure they used a better phrasing than that but some still say though that the bones in the captain's quarters over his bed are still real to this day really That's just a legend it's a legend. just a legend and because of these bones, many say that the ride is haunted from these people's bones. Yeah. So there's a lot of spirit stories that I was reading and I'll get to them. I was just kind of going through the history right now. But if people getting tapped on the shoulder or just feeling like they see somebody and then it's not there. Um, there's a lot of different haunting stories around this area. And people say it's because of the bones that were used on the ride. Interesting. Okay, now, now now let's talk about the Haunted Mansion, yeah. my absolute I favorite. I love the Haunted Mansion. And fun fact, this was actually Walt's favorite thing as well. And it, it's so fascinating when I was doing this research, I just fell more and more in love with Walt Disney. Uh, after he built Disneyland, he started to look at places he wanted to expand his parks to. And he, the first place he was looking at t- at expanding to was Missouri. Oh really because that's where he's that's, that's where, he where he's from. from. Mm-hmm. So he was looking at Missouri and <laughs> instead of a castle in the middle, like what all the parks have now, he wanted a haunted house in the middle. Great. But since the beginnings of Disneyland, a haunted house was always a part of Walt's idea. So on the original drawings, a haunted house is always something he wanted to have at his parks. When the park was originally supposed to be across the street from the Burbank studio, Mm -hmm. there was going to be a main street setting with like a Western village feel with a green field and a carnival. And then this crooked little street that would lead away from the center. There was going to be like a church and then a graveyard and then this dilapidated, scary manor that was high above the street, kind of watching over Main Street. That was his original vision Of Disneyland.
1: Oh, man. He must have watched Psycho a few times.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Disney over time changed his image from this dilapidated building. He didn't want it to ruin the visual of the park. He was like, oh, that might steer people away if it looks dilapidated. Uh, So he got a lot of ideas, actually, from his visit to the Manchester Mystery House. Oh, really? Yeah. He was like, this house is not run down at all but it's creepy in itself. Mm-hmm. He's like I could do this. I could make a really pretty house look creepy. So that's kind of what he ran with. The house was officially opened in 1969. And the Imagineers did such a great job on this ride. Again, it's my favorite. It's so much fun. Even as a young child, I think I went on it when I was eight or nine was the first time I went on it. And it was, I loved it. Even then I loved the doom buggies. I loved watching all the ghosts. Right. I I, I absolutely loved it. And we took the boys when we went a few years ago and they're little weirdos like me because they loved it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But the Imagineers who created this were fantastic and not just their work, but the story that I'm about to share with you is It's just fantastic to me. So Raleigh Crump and Yale Gracie were the lead Imagineers on creating the illusions for the attraction. Crump told this story, quote, We got a call from personnel saying that the janitor is requesting that we leave the lights on in there due to the creepiness of all the auto-animatronic ghosts and such. We complied, but put motion sensors in the room that would extinguish the lights and turn on all the ghost effects when triggered. The next morning, we came in and found all the ghost effects still running and a broom lying in the center of the floor. (laughs) Personnel called and said that the janitors would not be back. (laughs) (laughs) There was also another story I read that a groundskeeper was cleaning up like trash and stuff. After the park was closed around the mansion. And so he's working outside the mansion alone when he saw what looked like a flickering candlelight appear in the one of the upper windows. He kind of focuses on it and it disappeared. He went back to work and then he sees as the flicker comes back and he's like, what the heck is this? And all of a sudden the flicker, it looked like a flicker of a candle, he mm-hmm. said. And it appeared in then the next window and then the next window. Like it was moving. It was walking across the windows and then it went away. And he's like, okay, well, I have to finish my work. But he did not turn his back to the mansion. He's like, what in God's name is happening? This is really late at night. All the other staff are already in like New Orleans Square and they're kind of working, you know, doing all what they're supposed to be doing. And a few minutes goes by and all of a sudden, again, there's a flicker in the window. And he's starting to work his way away from the house And he watches this flicker again float across the windows and he keeps an eye and he soon figures out that it was not the work of a ghost, but the work of the Imagineers. It's a very little thing that can only really be seen in the evening hours. It can only be seen at night, but it looks really realistic. And the Imagineers put it there in the window of the mansion that can only be seen at night. So I guess people have events and stuff late at night in Disneyland. They can see this but it's not it's just kind of like a little little fun little thing that they did but this worker was terrified he's like what the heck (laughs) but he realized the timing of it all he's like okay yeah this is happening every five minutes (laughs) okay
1: (laughs) (laughs) these imagineers had way too much fun with his haunted mansion it sounds
0: like what a fun job in general though Oh,
1: no kidding
0: Now, some stories do say that there was a mom that dumped her son's ashes on the Haunted Mansion ride. And I read a lot of stories about people trying to do this in general, especially in the Haunted Mansion. But this story, um, apparently a little boy does haunt the Haunted Mansion. He's seen crying in the mansion's gardens and others say that when you step off the doom buggy, if you take a look back in the large mirror that's behind you, you'll see the ghost of the little boy. And they say it was from the mom who had dumped her ashes at the mansion. And like I said, many have tried to take ashes to the park. And mm-hmm. I just think that that's just rude. Like, I understand that closure and that want and like you want your little boy to be at Disneyland. But like, like really? Like, I've also seen these TikToks of people are putting their feet in the water at the Pirates ride. And it's like, But 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 why? But (laughs) why?
1: Gross.
0: Do you know how many people might spit in there and might whatever? (laughs) Oh, it just I just don't I just don't get it. Okay, now there have been some deaths at the park. Although of course this isn't the image that Disney wants to get around, and it's not like advertised or talked about at all. There have been teenagers trying to stand on rides, fall off. Uh, Two brothers that stayed. this is back when Sawyer's Island was open. Uh, they stayed there past closing time. They missed the last boat out, and they didn't want to get in trouble. So they tried to swim across the man-made river, oh. which, you know, is this mechanical thing that makes waves and stuff. So it essentially sucked one of the brothers down, oh, and he drowned. No. The younger brother did survive, but the older brother did not. There was a guy that was trying to get in the park for free, and he decided to climb up the monorail, And when he got up on the monorail on the track, he saw two security guards start coming after him, start running after him. So he starts to run. Little did he know that they were trying to yell at him, the train is coming, the train is coming, you need to get down. He thought they were trying to just get him from getting into the park and he got the train did get him. Now, this was the craziest thing to me, but do you remember the People Mover? Yeah. The ride the People Mover. It's not I don't think it's in Disneyland anymore. I do know it's in Disney World because we took the boys on it and they both fell asleep and took a, a nap while we were on it. It's a raised train but moves super slow and it's above some of the park mm-hmm. and you can just see the park from up there, but it moves like 2 miles an hour. Well, back when this first opened in 67, high schoolers would go for different high school events at Disneyland and the game that teenagers would play back then was to see how many cars you could get ahead. So you would start in your car on the people mover and then you would try to jump from car to car to car while the ride was oh, moving. Geez. Well, this is on a track. This doesn't have an engine. So when it starts to run over people, it just keeps going because it's on a track. So these people, I think I read there was four deaths on this from kids trying to go from car to car to car. Um, They got killed by a car going two miles an hour. Oh, my gosh. Think about that. I know. I wasn't going to share it because I know it's kind of graphic, but just follow the dang rules. I'm not victim blaming. I know you're just having fun and being a teenager and we make stupid decisions when we're teenagers. but.
1: There's rules for a reason. Uh,
0: That's horrific. Oh, that was so hard to read. Can you imagine being on that with your children and
1: having to see that? I know. It's
0: horrible. There's also this stage, and forgive me, but I don't know if it's still there. Maybe they're by a different name. Maybe it was a different ride now. But when it opened in 1974, it was the singing animatronic vaudeville show. And it's in the carousel theater. So... The stage is in the middle, and then the theater where the people sit will rotate around the theater. And so I think there's six stages, and then each act would have like three minutes to the act, and then it would rotate, and then so forth. So it opened July 8th, 1974, and I think it was like some Americana vaudeville show that they were putting on. But this young 18-year-old who worked for Disneyland, when everything went dark and the stage was rotating, she got caught between... The sturdy wall and the rotating stage. So it and the stage is made to move over a hundred people. So it just crushed her and she screamed, but people thought it was part of the show. Yeah, they didn't. And her name, her name was Deborah Stone. I did get her name, Deborah Stone. Now, as we've learned from all of these one hundred and nineteen episodes we've covered, my opinion of Hauntings has kind of changed. Over this time and all the stories we've covered Mm -hmm. from the beginning to now, it's really changed. Like, yes, I think tragic events can cause hauntings, but I don't necessarily think that it's these people that haunt, but more their energies. That being said, think of all the positive energy that's left at a place like Disney World. So I don't think these ghost encounters are people themselves but it's more just the energy this is my opinion but it's more of just the energy that was left there so say deborah this poor woman that was squished like i'm not saying it's deborah there it could also be her energy could also be at her family home or with her mother or with the park i don't think it's like her body her person is stuck at this park does that make sense Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i just that's my opinion has just changed so much but i think When there's a tragic event, there's an energy left there. And so when you come across like these intelligent spirits that answer you, that I still don't have an explanation for. But (laughs) why do I think Disneyland is haunted? Not because of these tragic deaths, but because there's so much energy that's left there. Well, just think about the
1: residual energy that we've
0: talked about in hotels and stuff. Even the
1: hotels that have never had a death, but people went there to have a great time. And they made great memories there. So it's like their residual energy going back to that place where they had the most fun when they were alive.
0: Yeah. And I think like even old family homes, just there was a family living there. There was a a whole life that was lived in that home. Right. There's got to be something imprinted in that energy field in that home from a birth to a death to a really special birthday. Like you just you just don't know. That's just my theory. But because when I was reading all these ghost stories of Disneyland, I was like, yeah, but it's Disneyland. It's, it's the happiest place on earth. That being said, though, there are lots and lots of haunting tales out of Disneyland from maintenance staff to characters to I mean, there are some stories and there is a whole web page for them. It's on hauntedoc.com and the page is Disneyland stories. There's a whole page of haunted stories. So I'm going to read a few. How Good. Does that sound? I thought you were going to leave us. <laughs> like, No, I want to hear some of these stories. <laughs> the Locker Ghost Girl, submitted by David V. In August of 2019, I saw something at the Disneyland Resort that rattled me to my core. It was just a subtle, creepy moment, but it stuck with me ever since. After Disney's D23 Expo in Anaheim, my sister and I headed to the theme parks for a late lunch. Since we had bags filled with merchandise from the expo, we rented a locker near the Disney California Adventure entrance. The parks were crowded that Saturday, and we saw several people wander out of the nearby restroom, wiping the sweat from their foreheads. The locker area was small, wonderfully cool, and thankfully uncrowded. It was just us and a young girl with fair skin that I noticed out of the corner of my eye. She crouched against the far wall, digging out of the bottom row locker. As my sister and I chit-chatted about our first ride, we kept our voices low as not to bother her. After a couple of minutes, I realized that the girl had been crouching for quite a while. Though I couldn't tell how old she was, I thought it was odd that she was alone for so long. I didn't want to rudely look directly at her, so I kept track from the corner of my eye, just to make sure that she was okay. The girl played with her long yellow skirt as if dusting it off. I thought the pattern was out of place, either red polka dots or strawberries. It looked like something a person might wear on Dapper Day. Suddenly, the girl turned around. I stopped keeping track of her and focused on my sister, who was stuffing her things into our locker. Still, I could sense the girl's eyes on us. I looked again from the side, hardly able to see her in my peripheral vision. She was standing now, staring at us. I noticed her short, dirty blonde hair and the skirt's length as it cascaded to her ankles. She was taller and older than I expected, probably a young teenager. What was she doing? Why was she looking at us? It was just too weird that I needed to know. I quickly crammed my bag into the corner locker and shut it. I could still see the girl watching us. All at once, I gave up my reservations and turned around. No one was there. The locker area was totally empty. There wasn't a thing that resembled a yellow dress or a girl with fair skin. For a moment, I, st- I stared at the emptiness with goosebumps racing down my arms. Are we going to Disneyland? asked my sister. She looked toward me and noticed my flushed face. What's wrong? Did you see that girl? I shook near those lockers. Yeah, I saw someone, my sister muttered. sister saw it too. She had noticed the girl too, but I didn't have to explain. My sister was already staring at the empty row of lockers near us. I watched the color swiftly leave her face. No, 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 she said. I told my sister about the ghosts I'd seen at Disneyland before, and now she'd seen one too. The moment was haunting and darkened the sunny afternoon. My sister reopened the locker and yanked our things from it. (laughs) With our arms full, we rushed towards Disneyland, gripping our bags and unable to shake the ghostly girl from our minds. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. This one is called Spirit Children, and it was submitted by Tim R. I used to work the swing shift at the stroller shop. One night, I was clearing Fantasyland of strollers just past 1 a.m., A co-worker and I were between the carousel and Dumbo when we heard children laughing. We decided to find security to let them know there were still guests in the park. But as we started walking toward Matterhorn, Dumbo turned on. Music and all. Since we had just finished collecting strollers from the Cassie Jones Dumbo queue, we knew there weren't any attractions, cast members operating the ride. Oh, that would be terrifying. And... I know I, Matterhorn is the like a drop ride. There have been, I think, two deaths on that ride. Oh. One from a teenager trying to stand and another, I don't know what happened to her, but she they took a turn and she fell out of the roller coaster and got squished by another oncoming roller coaster. Oh, how awful. And they like named that turn after her. Oh. But yeah, so that whole area is supposed to be really haunted. Okay. A Token of Remembrance, submitted by Don B. I loved this story. If you're emotional like me, be prepared to cry. Okay. <laughs> there was a young woman in queue for the Haunted Mansion, and she seemed sad. The attraction greeter at the foyer asked her why she was sad. She shared a story of her teenage son who had been diagnosed with cancer. She had promised him they would come to Disneyland together when he got better. He unfortunately never did and passed away. She was carrying with her a photo of the two of them together and showed it to the cast member. He asked her if he could have the photo and he would place it in the ballroom and they could be at Disneyland forever together. Sorry. <laughs> it's a stupid ghost story. <sighs> the photo used to be under the second plate from the left on the table. Yes, I've actually seen the photo many times. It has since been moved to behind the small settee under the staircase. Oh, I thought that was so sweet. Okay. And that was submitted by Don B. I don't know if I said that. Okay. This one is ghostly guests. It was submitted by Jacqueline S. Once my mom and I endeavored to ride by ourselves the haunted mansion on the last ride of the night. We got in just as they closed the gates at midnight and waited a minute in the gallery to let all of the other guests board first. Once some space had passed, we got in our doom buggy for our solo midnight ride. But as we rounded Madame Leota's room, we were shocked and disappointed. We looked across the room and saw full doom buggies, men, women, and children. We figured they must have opened the gates to let a large group on. Oh, well. When we got to the end to disembark, there was no cast member present, so we decided to linger at the mausoleum before ascending to the world of the living. And what did we see? Nothing but empty doom buggies. No people at all. We waited and waited. No one was there. True story. (laughs) That's what she wrote. (laughs) Wow. By the way, it was a true story. Wow. Okay. Okay. A pirate pistol whip submitted by Addy R. Pirates of the Caribbean's ride. We sat on the last row of the boat, so no one was behind us. I sat on the left side of the boat. Right when we are approaching the big battle of the ships, I got bumped on the side of my head. No one was behind me, and it came from behind. I wasn't in the middle, so it wasn't the people sitting next to me that bumped me. I was recording on my phone and upon review, I noticed a dark shadow come into view for just a few seconds when I got bumped on the head. <laughs> and I love how they titled their story Pistol Whip. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was a bump. <laughs> there were several stories from cast members. A lot of staircases many didn't want to go down or up because they had felt Pushed before. No. There's supposed to be a child that haunts the Splash Mountain drop, and I guess he likes to peek over the counter at at the cast member who closes Briar Patch merchandise. Mm-hmm. Like that's just creepy to me. Uh, many, many stories of stock rooms being haunted things move around a lot like merchandise shops may become like you know things move around a lot in Disney World like a merchandise shop may become a restaurant at some point or may become like a event space so like things become different things obviously but like a, a lot of stock rooms that used to be maybe something else like there's a stock room apparently where there's always a chef scene oh because that used to be like the back kitchen space of an old event space. But yeah, there's like a lot of stock rooms where people, are like I don't, I do not go there by myself, which I think is just so interesting. Yeah, there's a lot of stories about children laughing in stock rooms. I hear children laughing. And I was like, well, that could just be because you've been hearing that all day. You're still <laughs> hearing <laughs> Talking <that>. about
1: residual. <laughs>
0: But a lot of people say they hear children laughing or there's a lot of things that move in stock rooms or there's kids' voices that they hear around corners and then they'll go and be like, you're not supposed to be down here and there's nobody there. There was this person who made a comment on this page that I was just reading from at the very end and they call out every person that wrote a story because they worked there for a really long time and they kind of back up these stories.
1: Oh, okay. Uh Uh-huh.
0: They said that they worked as a merchandising stock cast member at Star Trader, and he said the fourth floor is indeed haunted. It's indeed creepy. Even before I was told it was haunted, I always felt uneasy up there. In the early 90s, a cast member named Maria came flying down the stairs after the stock boxes started to pull out by themselves. So that is on to Disneyland, a little lighter than some of our stories. Uh, I thought it was different, fun, and I uh, found this drink first, and then I was like, okay, now I have to come Disneyland.
1: <laughs> you know, uh, Disney World, Disneyland, they're supposed to be the happiest places on earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was we're at Disney World in Orlando, and it was literally the most unhappiest place I've ever seen in my life. <laughs>
0: Depending on the age of your toddlers, yes, I'm sure it can't be the worst place in the world. It was like
1: kids in strollers. They were so tired, you know, it was hot. And parents, they wanted to make them, I mean, it's not cheap to go these places. They wanted to make it worth their money. So, but they're hot too. And they're yelling at their kids. (laughs) I I mean, there was just kids being grabbed
0: by the arm and being yelled at and being jerked. (laughs) And kids crying. I know. And parents yelling. With, with the little kids, those park hopper tickets are so, I know they're a little more pricier, but they're so worth it because you can go to a different park or go rest at the hotel and come back and you can kind of just move a little easier through the parks. You know,
1: it is expensive, but the prime idea is to get a hotel on site.
0: And that way you can just go rest, come back. Yeah, the the planning, planning it out, planning it out is definitely key. Like we had a travel agent book us and you can get certain rides at a certain time. It's like a fast pass. Right. On I think three rides a day. And so she planned it out perfectly with reservations for breakfast and lunch and dinner. And, and like you could they have the apps now to show you how long time waits are at different places. You can time that out. But you really have to be quite the organizer now to go to Disney parks. <laughs> Jeez.
1: But then I went with girlfriends, no children. I went with two girlfriends. We actually had a conference at Disney World. Holy smokes, that was stinking fun. (laughs) We had so much fun, just us girls. No kids to worry about, no husbands to complain. We had (laughs) a blast.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. I love Disney parks. I've never been to Disneyland. I'd like to go and see if it is different or how different. I'm sure it's very similar. But there's oh, some differences. Anyway, <laughs> well, that's what I got for you, Mom. Oh,
1: great! That was that was fun.
0: I thought it was I thought it was a little different. Well, next is going to be even more different because it's episode 120, and we're going to be covering some bizarrities. Bizarrities! I am so excited about mine. They're kind of gross, but so much I fun. already started my research, and I am very excited about mine. <laughs> Yes, and don't forget, we're gonna be coming at you every other week. You're gonna get a hangover every other week, and hopefully, it doesn't linger too long. No, hopefully, <laughs> Maybe we it, want it to. Linger hopefully, it does linger. <laughs> <laughs> Your hangovers are gonna linger so long that we have to move it to every other week. But if you are interested in our Patreon, it supports us and you get us every week on Patreon. Woo-hoo. The link to that's gonna be the description of this episode. It's gonna be there. You can find the link to Patreon on our website, on our social media. You can download the Patreon app, and that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And then just look for Killer Hangover Podcast. You can join us there. All right, mama. Well, haha, you didn't get this cool drink that I got. No,
1: but now I have this terrible craving for chocolate. <laughs>
0: i love oreos i could easily eat a whole sleeve of oreos it's horrible i what i love about oreos is there's a new flavor out every time i go to the store holy cow (laughs) talk about wow there's like peanut butter peppermint extra stuffed extra extra stuffed then there's (laughs)
1: carrot cake there's soft ore there's soft oreos now
0: Red velvet cake. I mean, there is so many different kinds. Uh, Alex and I love the thin ones with the mint frosting. Thin mint ones. Oh my gosh. Put them in the refrigerator. Yes. Holy cow. That's what I do. They're so good. (laughs) All right. Well, you can find all the resources for this episode on our website, killerhangoverpodcast.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all the good stuff social media stuff. Follow us, like us, review us. We appreciate that a lot. A lot. And there's a a website on <laughs> there's a
1: website. There's a link on the website. If you just click on it, it will bring you to a place where every one of our social media sites are listed and then all you have to do is click those sites.
0: Yeah, that link is actually in the bottom description of this episode. You just click it and it'll you'll find links to Our Venmo, if you want to buy us a cocktail, our Patreon, our website, our YouTube, our Instagram. I mean, it's different ways to listen to us. Yeah, I have all the links there. So there are many ways to find your hangover for the week, for the day,
1: Uh, for for the the hour. hour. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this is a good one, Mom. It was fun. Cheers, Mama. Cheers. Love you, kid.